Amen. Thank you for praying with me over that. I pray that God will direct you. Would you stand for the reading of the word? I'm so glad to see visitors today. God bless you. Welcome. Would you welcome our visitors? Amen. settled in here. I just um, <clears throat> I have a lot of thoughts running through my head um, here today, and I think it's just because of all this transition that's going on in my heart and my mind. I'm thinking where, when, what, you know, what God, what is God doing? Where are we, where are we feeling God's directing, guiding us? And I can tell you sometimes that's the wrong question. The right question is, if God be for us, who? can be against us. That's the right question in every situation. So I want to go to 2 Kings 5, verse 1 through 19, and I want to just preach a little message today, and I'm not going to be long, called the ripple effect. Now Naaman, captain of the host, king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because of him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. These were not God's people, but the Lord was giving deliverance. Interesting. He also, he was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Everybody say, but. There's always something in your life. He's a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. Everybody say little maid. This little maid had a big impact. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus, and thus saith the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed, and he took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, he rent his clothes and said, Am I God? to kill and to make alive that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy. Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. He was irritated because they had stolen from their land, and then they had come back in need of something from them. Have you ever had somebody tear up a relationship in a life and then come back and need something from that relationship? That's why this king was upset. It's one thing to tear up something, you know, in somebody else's life, but it's another thing to rip your own Dolce Gabbana. You know what I'm saying? 
It's another thing to rip up your own suit. So he says, what is it? Is it mine to kill or to live? And then he says, and it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard the king of Israel, had rent his clothes, he tore up this suit, <laughs> he said to the king, chill. <laughs> Could you just stop? Just chill. He says to the king, saying, wherefore hast thou rent your, thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. And so Naaman came with his horses and with his chariots and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in dirty Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. That word clean in the original language means reset. Completely renewed without scars or any damage. He dipped seven times in a dirty river and got clean. That's what God can do, amen? So I just want to preach to you for a little minute on the ripple effect, and I believe God's going to help us. Jesus, in the name of the Lord, we ask your spirit to move in this room. We ask your word to equip our hearts, and we ask for your help in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Ripple effect is not a new concept. It's when you're looking at a clear piece of water, a mirror image of a lake not affected by wind or not affected by another object. And if you were to throw a stone into that water, the impact of that stone creates a ripple effect or a secondary effect. From the impact comes waves that spread out. And if the pond is not very big, you can eventually see that the waves from the impact will reach each shore. And I believe that there is a great impact of the church in the day that we live. I believe that there is a spiritual ripple effect in the world that we live in because Jesus was sent into the earth. Amen. And because he came, he changed the calendar he changed the date. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government would be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Amen. He had impact. Somebody say impact. When he came, he moved and he changed things and he, he addressed things that others would not address. I'm thankful to know that Jesus is my rock today. I'm thankful to sing about it. I'm thankful to talk about it. But I'm thankful to have experiences that set me free because I know he's been my rock in a hard place. I know he stepped in and helped me when I needed a firm foundation. Anybody want to preach with me today? I know that he's been my help when I had no help. I know he's been my way maker when I didn't have a way. I know he's been the God of stabilization when everything was shaking. He was the God who stabilized me. 
And I'm thankful for the ripple effect of Calvary, brothers and sisters. I'm thankful that I know I can be washed in the blood and sanctified by the Spirit. I'm thankful that even though I did not fully understand as a child sleeping under the pews, when they came and shook me and I woke, I rubbed sleep out of my eyes to go be baptized in the precious name of Jesus Christ, even though I didn't understand it still to this day, there's a ripple effect in my life. And I know that I can call back on that baptism anytime I need to and ask the Lord to forgive my sins. See, I didn't come up in a way that was privileged. I came up in a way that needed a Savior. And maybe you are here today and you know what it's like to need help from the Lord. We were so broke that I couldn't pay attention. Amen. We were just so down and out that we literally loved going to church because that was our social time. That was all we could afford to do was be at a free service where we didn't have to give if we didn't have anything to give. And I'm so thankful that I was brought up in the church because it helped me. It kept me. They put me on the drums and I stayed on those drums, not because I was such an amazing drummer, but because those drums kept me in church. When every, all of my friends were trying to pull me out to party or try to get me to sneak out, I didn't make a very good sinner, Brother Rob. I wouldn't do very good in the those spaces in those places but if you put me in church i knew how to worship the lord i knew how to give everything i had to the lord and that's where i was found in him that's where i was kept in him and so now my life is the ripple effect of the prayers of my grandmother and the prayers of my mother and the prayers of my pastor over my family i have the effect in my life or the benefit i am a beneficiary of the ripple effect and God's impact on my life. I hope you can say the same about your life. Are you living in moments where you do not understand that you're living in a ripple effect of blessing and safekeeping from prayers that have gone before and people that have lived an impactful life that have brought blessing to you? I'm thankful that I know that the Lord is that rock. Amen. Deuteronomy 32 and 4 talks us through what God calls a very special title. He takes his Yahweh or his Jehovah name and he, he gives it a title. And he says in this scripture, Deuteronomy 32 and 4, help me out, media team. I need you to stay with me today because I need to keep moving so people don't fall asleep. Hey Amen. I'll wait on you. I'll wait on you all day. Deuteronomy 32 and 4, it tells us that Jesus is our God and that our God is a rock. Amen. I guess they're having some difficulties. I'm going to give them a minute. Isaiah 44 and 8 goes on to tell us that God is a rock. Amen. In the New King James Version, it tells us that God is a rock and that that God that we serve is there is no God beside me, Scripture says. For there is, there is only one God, amen, and that God is our rock. It translates in the New King James Version as rock. The word God is to soar, which means a firm foundation, literally a boulder on which you can stand. In Isaiah, it talks about the rock being our place of foundation. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about that God would not have us be ignorant 
of his devices. He is the rock. We'll go back to 32.4. He is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways. Our judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. That word God after judgment, it says his ways are perfect. A God, that word God translates to a rock. It gives God the title of a rock in the Old Testament. They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are perverse. The crooked. I don't need that verse. I just needed the one. Thank you very much. But if you go on to the next verse, if you have it, Isaiah 44 and verse number 8, it helps us out. And you can put that up there as you get a moment. For Corinthians, I was in Corinthians, and I'm speaking to you about how God is talking to us in a way that gives us understanding from the Old Testament. He said, my name is I am a rock. I'm going to be a rock in the wilderness for the people of Israel. I'm going to give you the understanding that you can fear not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. That word God is translated rock. There is no rock. I know not any. You can go look at the original translation. He's saying, there's no God beside me. I don't know a God beside me. How can a God get beside a God who's omnipresent? Have you ever tried to get next to someone who's everywhere? How do you get on the right side of a God who's everywhere? He's saying, I don't know a rock beside me. I don't know another God who stands next to me. I am God alone. I span the heavens and the earth. I'm the self-existent one. I'm Yahweh. I am Elohim. I'm the God who is all and all. I am everything I need to be at any time I need to be it. So if you're trying to get on the right hand of God, you're going to have a hard time figuring out where the right hand is because he's everywhere, brothers and sisters. And so he says, there is no God beside me. I know not one. There is no rock beside me. And so he's giving that title, a very special title given to our God that he is a rock. But if you go on in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 5, Am I going to be able to continue on with this? Just wave at me if I can continue on with this. Okay, you got a, you got a hand up. They're saying, hold on just a minute, Pastor. That's fine. We love our, give our media team a big hand. Would you do that? Just give them a big hand. Moreover, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant how that at, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea. Go on to the next verse. And we're, and we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. He's talking about the foreshadowing. And did all eat the same spiritual meat. And what did they do? And did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Amen. So the title specifically given, a very specific title, the rock that was given to God in the Old Testament, is here ascribed to Jesus in the New Testament. I want to tell you that Jesus is Yahweh become Yeshua. Amen. Jesus is God in flesh. He 
came to save us, to deliver us, and to set us free. Jesus literally is Jehovah, J-E, with S-U-S added to it, which means Jehovah. S-U-S means become salvation, meaning Jehovah of the Old Testament became the salvation for us in the New Testament. How can a man who is condemned to die for their sins and have an eternal destination of separation from God, how can one man, Jesus, be born, a child given unto this earth that, that brings joy and hope? Why is it that only one man can die for all the sins of every man who should be eternally lost forever, has a sentence to their sin, that they would be eternally punished for that sin? How can one man's death affect an entire world's uh, curse of sin? Because he wasn't just a man. He wasn't just born in a womb overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. He was God in flesh. He came to earth to die for our sins. That's why the Bible says unto us a child is given because it's the body, that son of man, that, that body that was born through a woman that would die for our sins. And now we can strip away that Adamic, that, that, that original nature of sin. And when you feel your temper rising up or you feel your hatred towards something rising up, you know that is your old nature rising up. That is not the new man. Jesus died as that second Adam in order to give us separation from our sin and renewal unto God. He brought us back into relationship with God for there is only one man between, there is only one mediator between God and man. The man, the body of Christ Jesus. It's saying that that baby that was born was born to die and we celebrate the Christmas season and we don't understand sometimes that that baby born in the manger was a king in a king size bed. Amen. He was born and he came as a king but he didn't look like their king. He didn't look like something they wanted. He didn't look like the thing they thought he would be. So he was the stone that the builders rejected. He was the one who was thrown into the earth. He was cast into the earth to take our sins away. And so because he is the stone that the builders rejected, he is that rock that saves us. He's the rock that sets us free. And he's the rock that made the greatest impact in the earth. I'm thankful that I know that there's a mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. I'm thankful that I know when I go to him, he takes care of it. He's the stone. Psalms 118, 21 through 22 continues this same thread. When it's talking about the rock, he said, I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused to become the headstone of the corner. When they would build the building in the old days, they didn't have the same kind of tools. They didn't have the same kind of line measurements. They didn't have the same kind of plums. They didn't have a way to keep the building from getting off center. So they would take a very perfect stone and they would put it in the corner and they would fashion the walls after that perfect stone. Because if you started level and if you started right, the building would become a good building and a strong building. When you got to put the trusses on, they wouldn't sit sideways or sit off because you started with the right stone. And what he's saying is Jesus was that one. 
Jesus is that rock. Like when in the old days when they would take a rock and they would build a building, they would set that cornerstone first, and that would be the pattern upon which they built everything else having to do with that building. He's saying you rejected it like an old cornerstone, but Jesus is still that rock that's building his church, amen? He's still that rock on which we should pattern every part of our life because when you get to the point where you're putting a roof on, it's still going to be true. It's still going to be a right. It's still going to be a correct build. God does not build in vain. Everything he does is perfect. And so this psalm is a very powerful psalm because it's referenced in Mark 12, 10 through 12. And it's a place where you see Jesus speaking. He's throwing back. Amen. Someone say throwing back. Okay, it's a stone, you know, reference. To Mark 12, verse 10, he says, and, he, and have ye not read this scripture? He's saying, do you not know this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. He says, and, thou, and they sought to lay hold on him, but feared the people, for they knew that he had spoken the parable against them, and they left him and went their way. Jesus spoke something, and it created a ripple effect, and they could not do the evil that they intended to do. I want you to know that God has given you power in your tongue, that there's power of life and death in the human tongue, and you have the ability to activate your voice at any moment that you need Jesus. And when you activate your voice and you begin to pray and you begin to call on the Lord, you call on that one who has the greatest impact. You call on that one and your words have power and your words have weight and they change the outcome of your life. You, you can call it manifestation. You can call it whatever you want to, but God designed it that way. This isn't some psychological babble. This isn't some way that you figure out how you control the universe around you. This is God Almighty who designed you to speak to something and to speak it into existence by the glory and the power of the Holy Ghost. For the kingdom of heaven and suffereth violent, but the violent take it by force, Scripture says. In other words, you can take authority over the things that are bothering you. You can stand on the rock of Christ Jesus and say, I will not have that happen in my home. I will not see that happen in my life. I'm coming out of this problem. This is going to change. I'm not living the same. I'm not going to be bound by this thing. You can begin to speak your way out of it. And the manifestation of what comes from that is you speaking life into your situation. Just stand on the rock and speak, amen? Just go ahead and throw a stone into your situation and watch the ripple effect as God works because he does not sleep and he does not slumber. And while I need to go home and sleep on a few things, he's working on it while I'm sleeping, brothers and sisters. He's going to take care of it while I'm leaving, getting a little bit of shut eye. He's working on the problems that live and are existing in my life if I surrender it to him 
If I throw some word at it, amen? If I get my Bible out and I start reading and finding a place that helps me, if you got a problem, you find some scripture that addresses it and you throw that scripture at it. If you got a situation, get some word of God down in your heart that you might not sin against God. And when something comes up that's a temptation or when something comes up that is bothering you, you go dig out that word and you throw it at it. You say, though I may fall six times, seven times. I'm going to get up again. The weapons that formed against me shall not prosper. Amen. Everything that the enemy has done, though he comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. Thank you, Brother Reese, that God's going to put a banner over that situation. And God's going to say, you may have developed a thing against me. You You may be working behind the scenes, talking bad or saying something or working against me, but there's a banner higher than it. The Lord's going to raise up a standard, a flag, and he's going to say everything under this banner has to submit to the name of Almighty God. He's not only under your feet. He is over top of you. He is working for you. Amen. His thoughts are good towards you continually. His grace is upon you, and God is faithful even in the moments when we don't have a lot of faith. Throw some word at it. Jesus was that word, and he was that stone. And his ways are higher than our ways. So even when you don't feel like it's working, throw some word at it. Throw a stone in that trouble. Make your own turmoil by powering up your prayer life. If you go to a conference and you come home all fired up and you're working and living for God and you're just like, man, I feel so much faith. And then you get into your work week and troubles start happening and things happen to frustration and different things are going on and you feel that fire start to dwindle down to an ember. You know what needs to happen? You need to go right back to prayer. You need to go right back to the word of God. You need to look around your life and see where there's any compromises and say, I don't want anything in my life that pulls me off the rock of Christ Jesus. I want to live a life of impact. How about you? Anybody here want to live a life of impact? You don't want to just take in breath and live through the cycles of every single day, but you want to live a life of impact? The greatest impact I told you a couple weeks ago is that your life in Jesus Christ is the greatest impact it will ever have in this world. Your life surrendered to God is the beginning of your best life. Amen, somebody. And so the ripple effect happens when we surrender our life to Jesus. This little woman, this little maid could have been very upset with what's happening in the situation in the scripture here where the people of God have been captured. Been, they've been carried off. The groups of them have been taken. They're being taken back to Syria to be slaves. She could have been bitter. She could have been upset with God. She could have blamed God for what happened to her. She could have caused many, many different uh, moments of of unrest around her just by lashing out because what God she thought should do maybe was not what God was doing. Have you ever been there where you prayed a prayer and it didn't come to pass? Have you ever been there when you, you thought God was going to do something and it didn't happen? Have, has anybody leaving me alone here in this room where you thought God was going to do something and God didn't do it? A pastor called me. He was encouraging me because of the situation going on with the building. We'll talk about that afterwards. 
And he said, I remember we had this Baptist church in Menominee Falls, and we were going to buy it. We thought, man, this is, this is the will of God. This is what God wants us to do. This is where God is leading us. And he, he thought for sure. He told the whole church. He goes, I believe this has got to be the will of God. Let's reach for it. And they were inking a contract. And another church swooped, swooped in, and they had a lot of money, and they bought the church right out from underneath them. And he's like, Lord, what are you doing to us? What is going on? This is not at all what we thought was going to happen. And eight months later, they signed a contract for the Jewish synagogue, which, is, which he said was thousands of times better than what they were about to buy at that Baptist church. The Baptist church was closing down. They were going to buy the church. He said, I had no idea that when God dismantled my good stuff, that he was actually planning the better thing. And there's some good things in this room that have been dismantled in somebody's life. There's some good things you thought you were headed toward, and it turned a, a weird corner, and you got thrown a curveball. I speak in the name of Jesus right now that you're in this room, and you're feeling like, where did the good go? What happened? I'm telling you right now, if God takes good out of your life, he's got better for you. If you go through that grave, there's a resurrection on the other side. God will not take something from your life without giving you something better. If you stay on the rock of Christ Jesus, there is a ripple effect to trusting God. There's a ripple effect to trusting God. And so she was a little girl living in a house. She was brought into Syria. She found favor with the captain's wife. And she was brought into the house. Look at the ripple effect that took place. She was captured. She kept her spirit right. And she was brought into the captain's home. And as she's cleaning or whatever she's doing, one day she walks through and she sees him changing. And she realizes that underneath that armor is the vicious, vicious disease of leprosy where they would lose feeling in their fingers and sometimes they would lose their fingers because they would catch them on things and literally pull them off because they couldn't feel the pain. Pain is important, brothers and sisters. Hear me, pain tells you when you need to change something. And if the pain gets hard enough and bad enough, you will make a change. But when you lose pain, when you become so numb and you become so callous that you cannot feel things anymore, you will lose things you did not know you could lose. And so he's losing his feeling. He's losing parts of his body. He's got sores everywhere. But nobody knows because Naaman has good armor. Naaman is covered head to toe and nobody knows his disease. How many of you have ever seen somebody who has put their money up as their armor, or they've put their title up as their armor, or they put their situation up as their armor, and all you see is their armor, but I guarantee you there is a man behind that armor. There is a woman behind that armor. If they're hard on the outside, I want you to know there's still a heart inside there, and you need to pray for that person. I don't know if they're a loved one, a mom, or a father, 
brother or, or someone in your life that's constantly hard, constantly armored, constantly walled off, but you need to pray for them because inside there they're hurting. There's a struggle on the inside, and God can reach to them. And so she goes to the lady of the house, and she says, I don't want to be in trouble, but there's a prophet in Israel that can pray over my master, and he can be healed. Look at the ripple effect. Naaman brings a group of Israelite slaves home. The group are prisoners. A young woman in the prisoners finds the favor of Naaman's wife. Look at the ripple effect going on here. She's invited into his home as a maid. One day she catches a glimpse of him, and when she saw him, she realized he had leprosy, and she says to the wife, I know a prophet. I know about a prophet who can pray and you can be healed. Can I tell you, you still need a man of God in your life? You still need a prophet in your life that you can take something to. When there's sickness, the scripture says, call on the elders of the church. And they will pray the prayer of faith, and the Lord shall save the sick. That doesn't mean just physically sick. That could mean mentally sick. Amen. That could mean any kind of sickness. God can save it. And if you take it to a prophet, God can pray over them. But what I found interesting is that Naaman decided that he needed to go back and take advantage of this. So he takes clothing, he takes silver, he takes all these things, he takes 750 pounds of silver. Everybody say, that's a lot. He takes 150 pounds of gold, and he takes 10 Brioni suits. <laughs> he goes and he takes these as gifts to the king of Israel because he knows they robbed them when they left. They robbed them of some things. And he's going to have to use gifts to open the bridge to cross to his healing. You know, when trust is low, things cost you a lot. When trust is high, it won't cost you as much. But when you destroy relationships, brothers and sisters, it's going to cost you a lot to get back that relationship. Please hear me. Don't burn bridges. Don't cause things to happen because when you, when you throw things at people or when you say things to people, it creates a ripple effect, brothers and sisters, and we need to start becoming responsible for our own actions and our own ways of thinking. We need to become responsible in a generation that spends all of its time hiding behind things. We have a, a hiding generation. We need to be people who, who take authority and take obedient and be obedient to the word of God and take responsibility for our own actions. Some of the ripple effects we have in our life are from our sins, but thanks be to God that we can go down in a watery grave and God can wash it all away, that every curse of sin, every curse in the past, every generational curse can be taken away from that stone, that, that God who is in our life. Amen. And so he brings them all these gifts because the king is mad. He's like, you robbed us, and then you're asking us for stuff. That 750-pound silver translates to $225,000. The gold translates to $1.3 million. 
Everybody's saying it's costly to have the wrong impact. It's costly. God is about to make somebody turn around in your life and pay you back for the things they have thrown into your life. Has anybody ever been in a victim situation where you did not choose it, you did not ask for it, and God did not send it, but somebody at their own will in their own hands did something in your life? I want you to know whatever that robbed from you, God will pay you back for it. God will return back to you what has been lost. I can say that because I have experienced it. God will turn it around. Somebody say, turn it around. Amen. That's why I don't burn bridges no matter how harsh somebody is to me because I never know when I need to walk back across that bridge. I never know when I need help from the Lord and God's going to use somebody to help me that I did not expect. God will bring you blessings from places you never thought he could bring you blessings from. That is the ripple effect of the almighty God. He can help you in places you had no idea there would be a help and God is able to do that and I'm here to tell you that you're in enemy is going to pay you back. God's going to find a way to turn the tables and give you back what you lost. Amen. I believe that. I believe that. And so he goes, he goes to the man of God after he's directed and he pulls up with his chariots. Doesn't, doesn't that look like money to you? He's a different kind of man. He's got a different kind of status. Naaman is not only just a, a soldier, but he's a, a soldier that's favored of the Lord, and he's caused great victories to happen at his wisdom. And so he's coming up to the place where the man of God is. And Scripture we were reading tells us that it's Elijah, correct? He's, I got to get back to my scripture. It's Elisha. Elisha tells him to go dip in the Jordan River. How many have ever seen pictures of the Jordan River? It's not a pleasant place. Only these people that get baptized at the Jordan River, it's a dirty river. But people get baptized there because Jesus got baptized there. And because when Elijah and Elisha were walking, he, he tried to get Elisha to turn around and go back in several places. One was Gilgal, I believe. The other was at the Jordan, and the other's Jericho. He tried to get him to turn around and go back, and he said, I'm not, I'm not leaving you. I'm not going to turn around. And so there's a connection between what is happening at the Jordan and what a lot of people see in Scripture. And he says, I want you to go, and I want you to wash seven times at the Jordan. Seven is an interesting number in the scripture because that is what caused the Israelites to be successful over Jericho is they walked around the walls seven times. And the people on top of the walls were like, yeah, that's a good plan. That's not going to work. Well, you're going to walk around our city seven times and it's gonna just, the walls are just going to fall? That doesn't work. And then the last day they walked around seven times, but then God said something interesting. God said, let the people shout. And the voice of the people, God amplified, and he brought those walls down. 
However God chose to do it, the ground shook, the earth moved, and God eliminated a, a barrier between the people of God and their victory, amen, that he threw their voice into it, and that when you use your voice, it changes things. And so God is doing something powerful here. He's given us an understanding that when God works, sometimes it takes a little while for him to do what he's going to do. But if you use obedience, he will make it happen. It didn't happen on the first time, the second, third, fourth, or fifth, or sixth time. I don't think the earth started moving when it was the sixth time. I don't think it started moving when they were halfway around the seventh time, the walls of Jericho. I think everything happened at the shout. Amen. And if you hear the scripture when it says, shout unto God with a voice of triumph, when when you hear the scripture says there is a shout for the mastery the bible says when you see someone come off a slam dunk and they just go because they are being victorious against massive amounts of pressure to win that game i want you to know when you see an olympic athlete shout at the moment of victory that is what the scripture is saying that there literally is a shout in the house of God there's a shout in the people of God that throws something at the devil the science calls it quantum entanglement literally that radio waves and voice has the ability to affect long range atmosphere and literally can affect other universes the molecules in those universes can be affected by the voice that you literally can shout and shred the atmosphere that you can bring a voice into your situation and God can change things through your power of spoken word amen and so Elisha is saying go do what I say go do what I say and Naaman doesn't like it. He's like, can't we have a cleaner river? <laughs> can't we do this in a place that's much nicer? I mean, there's a river called Farvar and Havana. We could go do that. Let's, let's dip in those rivers. You see, Naaman, Naaman wanted a, a river that matched his credentials and not his condition. Naaman wanted something that matched who he thought he was, not who he really was. Naaman wanted something that matched his armor, not what was behind the armor, the disease that was plaguing him. And God sometimes will send you to places of obedience that don't match your credentials. I don't care what degree you have. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how much money you have in the bank right now. God may send you to a place to impact something that has a ripple effect you never saw coming. Amen. And this little woman had given voice to that. And God is now speaking to Naaman. And his pride can keep him from having his miracle. His, his sense of who do you think I am can either be shut down and he can humble himself and go get his miracle. Or he can keep his pride and stay sick and stay unclean. And so in verse 11, he lost his temper. And in verse 12, he had rage. But in verse 14, he was cleansed. The second you humble yourself, God can start working and create a ripple effect of healing in your life. The second you humble yourself, 
when you are surrounded or when you are swallowed up with pride, you cannot see the obedience that God wants in your life. If you're too cool for school, if you're too, too proud of things that you have accomplished in your life, God will send you to a dirty Jordan, amen? But here's the ripple effect. Naaman went into the water. And he dipped once, he dipped twice. I don't know what you think. If some people preach, I've heard it preached all different ways. He preached once, got a little better. Preached, he dipped twice, got a little bit better. I've heard it preached that when he got to the fourth time. Well, that's a number of, you can use whatever you want, but it's probably the seventh time that matters, amen? When he went down the seventh time, he came up, and he's like, oh, man, they're gone, not only were the scars, the sores gone, but the scars were gone. He was made new, amen? That's what the scripture says when it means made clean. He was reset, that he literally was washed and made new. I'm thankful that I know that Jesus is the washing way for me. When he washed me, I was put into Christ Jesus, and I was made new, and every scar of my past was washed away, amen. Every sin was placed in him, and now I have his righteousness not my own righteousness, for that's like filthy rags, but I have his righteousness in my life. Amen. And now I know his stripes heal me, and I now know his scars save me. That that body was wounded for our transgressions, that he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. I'm thankful that I know that my dirt was buried and washed away in the waters of baptism. So Naaman wanted them to give him a bunch of dirt, put it on the camels, let's take it back. We're going to take it back to Syria. Why would you want a bunch of dirt, Naaman? And the reason why is because they would build altars back in Syria they would take back the dirt and they would build a place of praise to the God of the prophet of Israel. The ripple effect of the miracle of Naaman's healing is that he took up dirt in the place of his miracle. And he said, I know it doesn't look like much, but when we get home, I'm going to build altars and there's going to be people that will worship at the altar of the God of Israel that never encountered him before. But my miracle has a ripple effect. And Naaman took that ripple effect and went home with it. So his miracle created a place of praise for people in Syria. Brothers and sisters, can I tell you that as I'm finishing today, I know I've been long, but I wonder if maybe we can take the impact that God has had on our life and we can begin to build an altar in places where people will praise God and come to God and experience God and be surrounded by the almighty God and be clean and cleansed themselves and be made new. Amen. Would you stand with me? Now I know that my rock, Christ Jesus, when thrown at my life, can change everything. I'm so grateful for the ripple effect in my life. This, this is an interesting thing. My wife and I were preaching for another church. We were doing a marriage 
seminar and our our marriage has been so rough that we've learned how to help others because we had such battles in our own marriage i mean we should we should definitely not still be together had it not been for the lord we argued we bumped heads we didn't get along now she loves me like crazy and i love her like crazy but that doesn't mean it works out every time. That doesn't mean that sometimes we're not stressed and there's a ripple effect of our own fatigue. And you know what I'm talking about? And you have to bite your tongue and you have to learn how to not say some things. We were there and we were going to do a marriage retreat and we did the marriage retreat for them. And then we we're supposed to preach for their church that next Sunday. And they're like, well, we've got some things going on. Why don't you guys just, why don't you guys just head on home, get some good rest and we'll they're only 35 minutes from here. We'll, we'll have you come back and preach tomorrow morning. We'll meet you at this time and tomorrow morning at the church. And we were like, oh, oh, okay, that works for us, no problem. And as we're leaving, my wife goes, you know, I just don't feel like we should be going home tonight. Yeah, we can go home. We can sleep in our bed. But I think maybe we should go get a room in Lake Geneva. And I'm like, sounds good to me. Let's go get a room in Lake Geneva. That sounds fun. And so we're looking, and we just randomly found a hotel that was near the Walmart that's down there. And we decided we need to get a couple snacks because you got to have some snacks. I'm preaching real good right now. You need to help me out with that. Got to have some snacks. And so we go to Walmart, and we're just standing around. This little guy comes up to us. He goes, pardon me. He goes, but I, I couldn't help but notice. He goes, are you folks Pentecostal? <laughs> I'm like, we don't know who this guy is. We don't know if he's about to pull a knife. And, you know, we're like, Jesus, take the wheel. I'm just kidding. But we didn't know really who this guy was. He goes, my name is Stephen. I'm from Ireland. He goes, I'm here and I'm working as a nurse. He goes, I'm working here in Lake Geneva, and he starts to tell us a story of how his family goes all the way back to strong grandparents, full of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. I mean, just goes back through all of this stuff, and we sat there, and we talked probably 40 minutes, just standing in the aisle, just talking to this guy. And we didn't know it, but he was at his at a very difficult moment in his life. It was kind of at the end of his rope. And he said, I sent a text to him on Thanksgiving. I said, hey, man, just want you to know I'm thinking of you. Hadn't talked to him in months. He's been blowing up my phone for the last two weeks. <laughs> he said, I'm at home in Ireland. My parents, my grandparents are having their seven, or my parents are having their 70th anniversary. He goes, they had eight kids, and they got 54 grandchildren. He goes, I'm going crazy. There's too many people in this house. He goes, I'm done. I want to come home. We were talking last night, and he's needing some prayer, and he got on a plane. He's headed back here today. He's going to come to church and feel the presence of the Lord again. And he told me, he told me, now we don't know what was happening. That we just, For us, it was just a night stay away from home but the ripple effect was that we met a man on his last 
a moment of hope. And he said, I didn't know if you could hang on any longer. And I've got a message, voicemail on my phone that says, I know it wasn't an accident that I met you at Walmart that day. What can God do in your life if you just trust him? God is changing that man's life. One spiritual experience at a time. And on his last moment of hope, when he thought, you know, I just think I'll check out. Maybe I'm done here. He runs into some people who don't even realize it, but we're in the middle of a ripple effect that God's up to. And there's some things happening in this church, and I'm telling you, we're, we're going to have to trust God. We're in the middle of a ripple effect right now. And God's been working on something, and God told me, you're next. He's bringing into your now. He's taking what's ahead of you, and he's going to work it quicker than you thought it was going to happen, and he's going to bring it to your now. He's bringing it right now to your life. And you're going to get uncomfortable because you weren't expecting it to show up so soon. But the ripple effect is happening right now in your life. And God's got a next thing for you. And it's coming into your now, right this moment. I believe it because I feel the Holy Ghost as I'm saying it. There is something that you are expecting. There's something that you had not seen even coming that God's bringing to your life this very week. I'm believing it in Jesus' name because that's what he told me. He's bringing, he's gathering in things for you that you couldn't gather yourself. Would you bow your head with me, Jesus? There's somebody living in a ripple effect right now. There's somebody in this room that does not even understand where they are or what's going on. They don't know if you're working or you're not. They can't tell. They can't even sense it. But I know you're working. I know you're a God who makes ways where we don't even understand. And I pray as somebody is looking at some questions right now, and maybe even more questions than answers, I pray that they trust you to be their answer in that moment. That all over this room and online, somebody is giving themselves over to, Jesus, if you're my answer, you're enough. I pray somebody finds Jesus to be enough in this room right now. In the name of Jesus. Whatever question is in the mind, I pray that Jesus is the answer till the answer truly does come because he's working it all for good. And I believe that in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. I'm so glad we're in God's presence. I'm so glad I have a rock to stand on. I'm so glad I have a banner over me that's love. And I'm so glad I know that even when I'm in the ripple effect, God's working. Amen. Could you lift your hands and just give the Lord a praise for one more time? Jesus, we're thankful that you have everything under control. And in your precious name, we dismiss today. Having time of prayer and having a time of word and having a time of worship, I pray you just give someone strength in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. If you want to pray, it's always available. If not, we're going to transition to a quick meeting. And we know that God is with us. We know that God is with us. He's making a way. Turn to your neighbor, shake their hand, and tell them God's making a way. Greet somebody on their way out and tell them God is on the job. Amen. That he's working.